critical now in Germany to invest because you will not be able to rely on the government to cover your pension. It's not possible, literally, mathematically not possible. I'm Tamina and I'm extending a heartfelt invitation to you as we join forces in reclaiming economic power for women in a world that is often structured against us. We'll dive into the minds of accomplished female leaders, investors, and entrepreneurs to equip you with the confidence and knowledge to build wealth for yourself and other women. So buckle up, get ready to learn, and be inspired to take action. Welcome back, everyone. It's a beautiful day here in New York, and I'm excited to welcome today's guest to the show, Sana Albadri. Sana is the co-founder of Sage Wealth and also a licensed financial advisor with a background in psychology. Sage Wealth is a Berlin-based company and helps people grow their money by making sustainable investing and financial planning effortless. Previously, Sana worked as an executive assistant for Europe's biggest vegan NGO and was a UX analyst at a fast-growing impact startup focused on water. In her free time, she loves to do contemporary dance, analyze stocks, and practice mindfulness. Sana, welcome to the show. It's so great to have you. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. And yeah, I cannot wait to have this conversation and go into detail with things. Amazing. I think the both of us have been looking forward to this for Yeah. Time. We had to reschedule twice and this is the best possible start to my week. So very, very much looking forward to, to all the gems and wisdom that you will be sharing with us on the show today. Before we dive in and talk about talk about all things money and investing, I love starting out with the same question for all of my guests. And yeah. as you know, this podcast is about helping women build wealth for themselves and other women. But from my perspective, increasing women's visibility is very critical when it comes to to wealth building. So yeah. wondering. Who is a woman that you admire? So obviously being a psychology nerd, I'm kind of a psychologist. I'm sure you, you might have heard about her. Her name is um, Esther Perel. She's a Belgian-American psychotherapist and she created the concept of erotic intelligence. And she has this amazing TED Talk. I love this one. It's called The Secret to Desire in a Long-Term Relationship. And um, what I love about her is that she wants to she wants people to question themselves and to speak the unspoken and to not be afraid to challenge sexual and emotional co correctness. You know, because we have a lot of assumptions on what love is and we don't challenge it on a deep level. Like we kind of take stuff that we are culturally absorb, but maybe the stuff doesn't work for us or isn't good for us, you know. And through her work and her wisdom, she really helped me create more meaningful relationships. <laughs> highly recommend <laughs> love that and we'll make sure to to link to the TED talk in our show notes as well so you can check it out I think yeah. with anything really you know we're, we're growing up we're being socialized into into adopting certain norms when in reality oftentimes those norms not don't necessarily serve us all because yeah we're all different right? Exactly. Everyone is different. Everyone has different circumstances, different needs. So I love, love that you, that you mentioned a psychologist with a specific focus on, on the topic of relationship. Yeah. And I think it's, it's something different and refreshing and I'll definitely have to check out her TED talk because I, I, I hadn't seen that one yet either. So. Yeah. 
the like the fun part is also that she does it with like a French sounding accent because she's mm. Belgium talking about love. It's yeah, also it, like it, a fun experience to listen to her. <laughs> one very on brand love. Yeah, it's that. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. A plus for your answer there. Okay, Sana, we're gonna spend some time talking about sage wealth in a minute, but I actually want to go back mm. to the very first pivotal stop on your own personal finance journey because I know that your first experience with money was not a positive one. Do you mind elaborating on that? Yeah, so I would say my first experience with money was being really scared and overwhelmed. I'm the girl who used to cry getting letters from her bank and just not wanting to open them. Um, I think it's kind of like a money trauma that is in my family because my dad, he was an entrepreneur, and, but he died when I was really young. And he did inherit me money, which it's extremely privileged position to be in. But it's also like a, a challenge to be so young, to inherit money, to know your father died, to know that is the money he worked for really hard, to have nobody talk about it. So there was a lot of shame about discussing this. So throughout my life, we kind of pretended that this isn't a thing. So then when I turned 18, I was, I was really like not happy when I had access to the money. I was like, I have no idea what to do. I cannot look at this. And I also remember that time my mom took me to like a coffee place and we sat there with cake and coffee. Um, was one of my favorite brunch places. But in that moment, she had this, this like this big folder full of like paperwork and she just had like she just literally like shoves it towards me. And she's like, this is this is yours. Good luck, basically. And I was like, I don't know what any of this means. What is this? So, yeah, it made me very paralyzed. But it was also this strange thing of I was aware this is an opportunity or a privilege, but I was to totally unable to make any use or sense of it. Um, yeah, so for many years, I did not touch the money and I live a really frugal life. Like I wouldn't even dare to spend any money anywhere. So that was also very annoying, I think, to people around me who were like, it's not a big deal. Just get new shoes, you know? <laughs> so I think it's that I had to clean up a lot of my mindset around money. And I think what also put me off was, you know, I knew that I had to invest the money. Like that was kind of obvious to me um, that I wasn't going to spend it because of how my dad raised me. But I, I also had such negative ideas about the stock market, like being full of greedy people. And the people who invest, they just, they would just want to live a fancy life and sh like show off. And I just didn't know, okay, what's the point of having more money? Like why? And I think that really changed for me in university when I basically met my tribe. So I met effective altruists and then on a mission to do the most good using science and reason. And they basically taught me that, yeah, you can do amazing things with money. You can like fund science, you can donate to charity, you can invest in impactful things. And that's like where it kind of clicked for me that, oh, yeah, actually money can be a force for good. And through that network, I also met my co-founder, Marco. And I feel like they all like, they also in this environment, there's really no shame to talk about money. Like it's just seen as something very objective. I think that really helped me because in other circles, talking about money is like, elicits like jealousy or 
fears, but I feel like with them, it was just very matter of fact. And I think I really needed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for showing up with so much vulnerability. Yeah. And being willing to share your story. And I know we've we've talked before, but again, I'm yeah. really, really sorry for your loss. I, I'm, you know, I know it's been it, it's been quite some time, but yeah. I'm sure your dad every single day something like actually, that. actually it's true <laughs> yeah 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 but i'm so proud of you for having gone through this process of growth and introspection and you have really built a legacy for your dad and if he was around today i'm sure he would be so so incredibly proud of you of everything you <laughs> really hope so and and the person you've become. So yeah. I hope you you never forget that because it's it's important. And look, you were so young when you yeah. had access to that money. You know, at age 18, I didn't know anything. In fact, similar to you, I also used to have a pretty bad relationship with, with money. Yeah. Especially as women, we're always taught how to spend, spend, spend our money, but never how to use money for good or how to invest yeah. in a sustainable way so other people can benefit off of our wealth. So yeah, it's 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 a process and it doesn't happen overnight. But you already started talking about how you ended up meeting your co-founder Marco and yeah. that entire community, which made you realize, hey, actually money isn't something bad. It can be a powerful force for for good so would love for you to spend some time talking about how we can actually liberate ourselves from that shame Mm. and ignorance so we finally develop a positive relationship with money because i think that's something that so many people are struggling with especially in germany where where both of us are from yeah yeah so the thing that helped me was honestly to be able to talk about it and I think that's almost the hardest part it's easier to talk about like sex you know with your friends than about money and I think that is weird money should not be more taboo than the most intimate thing we do with our bodies (laughs) so to me um, that was really really critical and I think for everybody who feels like they can't talk about it there will be people in your circle some way who are interested in this topic you know who who understand that okay maybe they don't understand money is a force for good but they will understand that money is like something that can help them improve their lives or make their life better i'm sure you have friends who are good at saving i hope there is one friend or some uncle or some aunt maybe they buy real estate maybe they do they did invest in stocks or they were business owners or something so i think it's also about a little bit being strategic like okay, I want to open up and how can I find people to open up with? I think that that was a big one for me. And then having, yeah, having heroes or examples of people who who do it better. And then that's what I found, for example, in that community because they have a concept called earning to give. So, so like not everybody should work at a charity, right? Or not everybody can volunteer. So they were thinking, okay, there's lots of people with, who are very educated, who have like normal jobs that pay them well, 
um, but they still want to do good. So maybe those people can make a commitment to invest or always donate like 10% of their income. So I met a lot of those people who do earning to give. And it was really cool talking to them because they are very responsible with their money. Like they knew exactly their budget and what was the purpose of the money that they were earning, um, how to balance their personal needs with their impact needs. And so they were like heroes and examples for me. And I, like I even know people who, who they were really motivated to get really high paying jobs just to give it away. And I really admired that, that um, it was good for them, obviously, but it also was good for others. And I think that helped me crystallize my own mission. So the other thing that's important is to, to take action. I think the worst part is when you learn, learn, learn and talk, talk, talk. But you realize years have passed and you have not done anything. And then it makes doing a thing like such a big deal. And I think that like a lot of people have this analysis paralysis. <laughs> it's quite dangerous. I think it's good to be mindful. Okay, am I in this loop where I actually know every time I read an article, I know everything. If you notice yourself, then maybe, okay, it's time to take action. I think it can help to have a financial advisor or like a mentor or someone to to do or even a friend and you do it together and it can be such a small act it can just be buying one share of one stock just right even if it's like 50 bucks like just do it you know yeah i i i love that it it what you just mentioned there analysis paralysis really resonated with me because in in, in my work with women that's something i observe all the time where women actually do Tons of research. They do read up on investing, but then I'm pulling the trigger because they feel like, oh, but I don't know everything there is to know. Yeah. Urge to be perfect all the time is what's holding them back. And it makes yeah. sense. Growing up, we women are socialized to, to believing we have to be perfect all the time behave perfectly don't be too loud look perfectly like makeup hair like you know everything that conditioning translates into all aspects of our lives including financial and at some point it's just like no sister let's go for it oh click that button and like you know, it's, it's, it's a learning experience. It's like a lot of like learning by doing when it comes to yeah. thing, right? So this is really like a call to action to all the women out there who are listening to this episode. Don't allow your urge for perfectionism to, to hold you back. Cause otherwise you're just gonna, you're just gonna continue to waste valuable time as, as you and I know, Sana, very, very well. Time is the most important part. Important part when it comes to investing, all yes. the compound interest power that get it. If even like, and you don't have to be in your twenties. If you're in your thirties, forties, or even fifties, it's never too late. I yeah. like to say today is the best day to start investing. Seriously, yes. not yesterday because it doesn't it's, do as well yeah. to dwell about the past because we cannot change anything about it. And not tomorrow, because we shouldn't allow ourselves to keep procrastinating on on that. So, yeah, very true. Yeah, yeah, very true. Like I really see that pattern, and I also feel like it connects to, for example, when like women apply for a job, right? 
like this this classic study we all know it you know where a woman has to meet all the criteria that the company has and then if she meets like she has to meet at least 80 percent to be comfortable applying but men if they meet 60 percent or even 50 percent they go for it yep and i think we need a little bit of that like fuck it attitude absolutely yeah well Look, I would love to spend some more time talking about Sage Wealth now. Great. Because <laughs> that experience you were mentioning earlier of being first scared of the responsibility associated with having access to money to then leveraging it as a tool to have a positive impact. That is what ultimately inspired you to 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 found the company, right? Yeah. And I remember during our very first in-person conversation, you and Harper gave me the pitch for 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 your platform so would love for you to now give a brief pitch to our listeners why should they consider investing through sage wealth yeah so i would say what makes us different is that we offer people guidance and i think that's so lacking so for us our mission is to be the most trusted companion for ethical wealth creation so we really want to empower novice investors to make ethical financial decisions with confidence. And to do that, we really focus on taking like the best of, of both worlds. So there is the traditional way of investing, which is you have your advisor and they take out a lot of time for you and they understand you. And ideally, they give you a very personalized recommendation. And then there is what is really great about the online world, which is it's so easy to create a profile, to log in and to buy stuff. And you have all this choice. But then what's difficult about it is that it can be really paralyzing. What should I choose for me and my goals? Like what investments fit me? And I think this is a question that does not get answered in the online world. But then obviously in the traditional world, it's not very digital, especially in Germany. It's not very digital. It's not also not very ethical necessarily. And it's slow. So, so for us, it's like we want to be a modern financial advisor. So something like Wealthfund does not exist in Germany. So we want to bring that to Europe. So we see ourselves like instead of having to go to the gym alone and figure out all the equipment by yourself, we are like your personal trainer. You can book us and we, we do it with you. I love that. And, and, and I think correct me if I'm wrong, the majority of the people who invest on your platform are, are younger people as well, like in their, in their 20s and, and, and 30s, right? Yeah, I would say the age is like 25 to 40 is like roughly the age. And um, that is actually quite young for investing. I believe the average investor of the biggest fintech in Germany, they're like 50 wow. male and invest half a million. <laughs> Once you know these facts about what are the typical investors and then you see the way the platforms are designed, built, the language, everything, you start to realize who is this for and who it isn't for. Yeah. Yeah. So also how typically people find me is through educational workshops and then we get booked to give a personalized like, session. They're actually very short and most of them are free. So they're like um, 20 to 30 minutes and we create a financial plan we help you figure out how much you can invest safely like what you can start with right now and then you can also book us for longer for like an in-depth like session and then if you like your plan and you feel like you have the trust with us you can just open an account to our platform and just 
put it into action. And what I'm proud of is that like amongst our customers, they're some of Germany's most successful founders and startup CEOs. So the founder of Penta and Clue. And getting that validation was like really exciting. Yeah, and like less than a year, our customers trusted us with more than a million euros. So yeah, I feel like we are striking a nerve. Yeah. But there's still so much ahead of us. Yeah, I'm sure. But that's so, so exciting. And I think what you're just mentioning a few moments ago about language matters, I think that is so, so important to emphasize because a lot of the times why women specifically or younger people who've never been exposed to any of this stuff feel discouraged is because of all the complicated jargon and, you know, the interface is not very intuitive. There is like all of, all of these, all of these weird words that people have never heard about, right? And they don't get explained anywhere. An assumption that you know, yeah, you know what I don't know, like a an expense ratio is right, or that you know what abbreviations like uh, stock tickers what they mean, right? Like I know it, what is an ETF, what is a mutual fund. Anyone who who who's new to this supposed to know all of that stuff and feel comfortable putting their money behind it when there's yeah, but that's not the customer group. That's the that's the part that you start to realize that it isn't. It isn't about creating access. It's to get those, like, rich old white men. Safe space. This is exactly why this podcast exists. Louder for the people in the back. I mean, you see it even on the photos. Like, you even see the picture of the, of, like, you even see the photos of the customers on the website. <laughs> yep. I'm in sales and they used to, used to cover the Dach market, so Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Yes. And when I was looking up potential customers, because I was in, in customer acquisition at first, yeah, um, I was looking up these companies online, looking up their their boards and systems. And oh my goodness, well, I actually didn't even want to talk to you because there's nobody, nobody female. There, there's not a single person of color. To your point, everyone is just like old, white. And I was just like, oh my goodness, like, why, why? Yeah, but that's, that's, that's why I love the world of entrepreneurship because people tend to skew younger. There are more yeah. very bright people, uh, oftentimes people who, who have an international background as well, right? So they, they have broader, more worldly perspective which which i truly truly love if you want to mobilize the next generation especially the next generation of women and not like wealthy individuals but regular retail investors if you want to mobilize them and encourage them to create a better financial future for themselves and and their loved ones you you really really got to take them by their hand and walk them through yeah through that is, journey yeah. and them and not make them feel like they don't understand anything and aren't welcome. So that's that's what, what I love about your work that you also offer those educational workshops where you you give them a little bit of a deep dive and then your your platform provides that additional education as well and everyone feels included and welcome. I think that's Yeah, cool. yeah. And we also I mean we see it in the numbers as well. So Half my customers are women. 
And that is so unusual for a fintech. You know, like I think 80, 90% of the customers are usually male. I also think they're focusing on the sustainability as well and making sure that the investment aligns with your values. Also that we position ourselves as long-term wealth creation. I also think that that also really helps to attract women because if you look at the marketing of what attracts men, it's kind of this hype. So I think there's also a bad way to think about money. Like money is something you should be wise about. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why I think it's so important to have someone like you who looks like you, who sounds like you, <laughs> you, you know, yeah, to to be visible in this space. Because if there is a woman and not like a 50 year old woman, but but a younger woman showing up in the space and explaining to potential new investors how easy it is to invest and how much potential there is. I think that can go a long way. Creating visibility and being visible in these very male-dominated spaces is absolutely critical. Let's pivot a little bit because I definitely want to talk more about the topic of sustainability. Yeah, let's um, do it. And My favorite topic. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure it is. Um, so when we think about sustainability, the following things probably come to mind for, for most people first, like recycling, compost, limiting air travel. Electric cars in recent years, renewable energy, eating less meat, reducing plastic, and so on. And while adopting all of those behaviors is admirable and we all have to do our part to protect our planet um, and to be more inclusive of everyone, sustainable behavior is not nearly as effective as sustainable investing. In fact, I read a really interesting fact on your LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. You said that sustainable investing is 27 times more impactful than sustainable behavior. Yes. Explain to us how that works. Like, how is that possible? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually kind of simple once you understand the logic of it. So basically money works on a systemic level. So what like the money that you're investing towards your pension, A, over the years, it will be a lot of money. Like it's the money you will be living off for 20, 30 years. So and also that money is given to companies, you know, and companies have a totally different impact than individual consumers. So Say as a normal consumer, you, yeah, like, like you say, you have a choice on what to buy. For example, it's great to buy vegan food. And I really believe that if everybody or more people did that, that things would change in society. But unfortunately, like the biggest evils are not happening in the supermarket where we're making this decision. They happen somewhere else. And mainly, obviously, the biggest polluters are fossil fuel companies. And I think it's something that we, like besides climate change that is now accelerating, but it's still something that will happen in the future. And I think something we don't recognize is that because of burning of fossil fuels, every year, 7 million people die from pollution. And that's like COVID happening every year. <laughs> and it's like so, it's like completely normal to us, you know? And we're like, oh, this is a fine price <laughs> to pay for the energy. <laughs> And I think we really need to go to the root causes of what is causing the problem. And again, it's the fossil fuel companies. 
Then we go one step back. Who is helping them like finance all their activities? And that is big funds, like retirement funds, and it's banks. So they're lending our deposits or they're using the stocks as collateral and they're lending the money. The world's largest banks have lent 4.6 trillion to fossil fuel companies since we closed the Paris Climate Agreement, that was six years ago, by investing that money in a sustainable way or by, for example, switching your bank account to a responsible bank, you are divesting that money away from them. And you can actually then not even be, let's say, neutral with the money. You can also do something good. So you could invest it in clean energy instead. So I think this is like a power as consumers we forget to have. So we vote with our wallet by buying things, but we can way more effectively vote by just simply not giving the money to do bad things. So yeah, that's that's how it works. Yeah, I I I love that, and I'm actually doing a full episode on this topic of sustainable investing and the importance right. of, of divesting. As in, to our listeners who might not be familiar with this term, divesting yeah. is you pull out money from previous investments that you've made once you realize that they don't necessarily align with your own personal values anymore. For example companies that invest in fossil fuels. There are some great websites out there these days where you can actually plug in the names of specific funds. And banks also. And banks as well. And they 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 analyze them for you and tell you how good or bad they are based on on that criteria. Yeah. Looking at like gun free funds, for example, or fossil fuel free funds. There's also gender equality theme based funds which which I love. So those are funds who support companies that pay more attention to having female leaders either in their C suite or on their on their boards and who generally have gender equality friendly practices within their companies. So Yeah. Yeah, and we included a lot of those funds as well. So we actually have a diversity fund it's exactly what you mentioned. Also clean energy, also plant-based food, like food innovation and all of these themes, we made sure to include them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think thematic investing has become more popular in, in, in recent years, which I absolutely love. So check out Sage Wealth um, yeah. in case you're based, based in Europe. Yeah, and thematic investments can be really powerful because you're not having to do this awkward thing of excluding things and comparing things to the status quo, but rather you just think about, okay, what actually is important for the future? And then just based on that, selecting what are the most fitting companies. And I think it's a more, let's say, honest way to approach sustainability than to take existing the existing status quo and trying to disseminate it so that only good things are left. I mean, it's... I would say ESG is very important, but I think that if you're very serious about sustainability, I think one should also consider thematic investments. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Europe, Sana, you and I both grew up in Germany, and unfortunately, there is still that misconception that investing, and especially investing in the stock market, is incredibly risky. You know, most Germans are happy when they get their 
Bausparvertrag, which to our non-German speakers, I feel like I have to explain that to them. It's it's a pretty antiquated savings contract between an individual and a financial institution where the individual basically agrees to save a certain amount of money each month towards building or or buying a home. And while I do believe that that sentiment around investing is slowly changing, especially among younger tax savvy people, but but I still can 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 imagine that a big part of your team's work is potential customer education and and working on eliminating those misconceptions people have when it comes to investing and the stock market in general. Just curious, what has it been like to build a fintech company in such a traditional environment? Yeah, I think it's, to be honest, it's what excited me to do it. Because mm. I know changing that has a big positive impact. Because if I went to a market where investing was more normal, I think I would feel there would be less of a need for what I'm doing. So that is actually what inspired me almost to do it. But obviously it has its like unique challenges. Like you say, we don't really have an investing culture in Germany or Europe. So a lot of times customers come to me and they say things like, I don't know anyone in my circle who's investing and my parents are terrified of the stock market. And you really need to explain to them why investing is a good thing. I mean, they know somehow, but they don't understand that. And you really start them from very much zero. Whereas like sometimes I speak with Americans, they book me for advice, for funny. Like it's obvious they don't know anything about investing. That's why they're here. But then they still like, you know, bought a Disney stock or they have some Apple stocks. And I'm just like, wow, okay. And because they know that this is normal. Mm-hmm. And they like their grandparents, they, their retirement is the S&P 500, which is the 500 largest co- companies in the US. You can just like buy a fund with, a, with all of them inside it. It's like very typical investment. And to them, it's so, so normal. So that's kind of like funny. But I love doing education. I think it's really, really inspiring to do it. So yeah, I do a lot of education on LinkedIn and obviously in my workshops. But I also really want to build this, what I'm doing this quarter and the next quarter is actually I'm building my first tools. Mm-hmm. So because obviously I have my Excel sheets, but I'm like, okay, but I could turn them into easy to use tools mm-hmm. so people can do it themselves. So like building calculators, like how much to save for retirement or should I buy a flat or should I invest in ETFs, you know, and just being able to plug in important numbers or being like, guided through what are the important things to consider and just having then like an output that is useful. So I'm working on that. And I would say the other big challenge was working with the business partners as well. I work with banks because I don't have all the licenses myself. Mm -hmm. And a lot of our banks, they are definitely a lot more modern than other banks. (laughs) But still, if you look under the hood, Everything they do runs on paper. Banks run on paper. Their coding infrastructure, like their algorithmic infrastructure is built in the 80s and 90s, like Cobalt. And wow. like no engine. And it's like a big nightmare to change it for them. Um, so, it's, so it's quite interesting also working with them and their processes and their expectations on regulation. 
is quite a hindrance. I feel like there are some things that we had to do in a way. I did not feel this is what's optimal for the customer, but it's what I have to do to meet their requirements. And I also hope that this gets broken apart more. I mean, we challenged them a lot and they did want to accommodate us, but they're just old school processes they have. They just have to keep them. Ah, nothing as beautiful as German bureaucracy. I really, I remember sitting in front of that stack of paper mm. that because they needed me to do all this documentation and yeah. had to prove a lot of things to them. Right, due diligence. And I just, yeah, and I, I, I did cry. Like, I remember that one day I just cried <laughs> with all my paper there. <laughs> Germany is still so, so, so behind, which is... Yeah, we are like a decade behind. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So that, that's yeah. why it's great to have people like you who are, who are active in the space and advocating on behalf of the digital transformation in, in our country. So thank you for that. I actually do appreciate that a lot because we, we have to make progress if you want to continue to be, to be a big player on the international stage from an economic perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially considering the demographic shift. There are just so many elderly people. There are not that many working age people. And our retirement systems are going to be really challenged by that. So it's critical now in Germany to invest because you will not be able to rely on the government to cover yeah. your pension. It's not possible, literally, mathematically not possible. <laughs> so we have to invest. I think that's going to be in a big shift politically and socially. How are we going to deal with that? <laughs> Absolutely. And that, that, that could make up for, for a whole separate conversation, right? We could have yes. hours just, just talking talking about that. I know we have a lot of listeners from all over the world, but you know, seeing how I'm from Germany, a lot of my, my friends from high school and family members listen to this. So having a voice from Germany specifically was something super important to me and showing that it is possible also outside of the United States to make progress from an investing perspective and from a yeah. digitalization perspective. So thank you so much for sharing all of your insights today. My final question for you today, as most people probably know by now, I don't only like to always start out with the same question, but I also like to close with the same question for each of my guests. Sana, if I gave you a million bucks today to invest in either a company or a cause that would benefit women, where would you invest that money? Okay, this is very clear to me. <laughs> so I would donate the money and I would give it to Ban Dance Targeting the Hardcore Poor program. It's a charity that is run by Indian people and they work in India and they go to slums and they find the poorest women and they help them to get out of extreme poverty. And they do that by providing them with a savings account. They give them business training, mentoring, helping them with their consumption and also information on education and health, for example, sexual health. I think this is very important, like planning your, your parenthood. It's like something they have no education on. And yeah, they also work with the Indian government and other NGOs to do what they do. And to me, this is really interesting because most of my activities surrounding women empowerment target 
globally speaking, extremely privileged women. So women that have jobs, that are educated, they have financial means. But I think as like feminists, sometimes we forget about the poorest women and they are equally deserving of feminism. <laughs> it's just that we are not aware of them. I think you have the biggest impact helping the most vulnerable people. So that's my choice. So I think you can find them on bandan.org. So B-A-N-D-H-A-N.org. Yeah. I love that, Sunny. You're absolutely right. Oftentimes from our privileged lens, it's it's easy to forget that there are people out there, especially women who are in significantly worse circumstances than, than we are. I mean, there's so many yeah. women who don't even have access to a savings account. account. <laughs> it's, it's like a bank account. Yes. Well, simple as that. I remember Melinda Gates last year was was talking about how we could make significant progress if if more women had access to bank accounts and yeah being able to 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 access education on how they can start a business start a business get money become more more independent of men Right. Yeah. Uh, and maybe also an interesting fact is that in Peru and Brazil, they were doing cash transfers to, to the poor. That's actually quite effective. But what they found is that it's way more effective to give the cash to women. So now they don't even give the cash to men at all. It's because the women think more long term with the money and they consider their family, their children. That's actually how they alleviated extreme poverty, mm -hmm. simply giving cash to the poorest women. So this is also why I find that organization so impactful. Yeah. Give all the money to all the women. I mean, yes. it's true. It's true when you just put yeah. just one woman, no matter where in the world, if you put one woman in a better financial situation, it's going to benefit her entire community because women yes. are known to invest or save more alongside their values and what they believe will benefit yeah. not only their children, but their communities and our planet as a whole. So I, I love that you shared that little nugget there as well. Well, look, Sana, we're, we're coming up on time, but this was such yeah. a great conversation. Thank you so much for being so open and sharing your perspective, being vulnerable all the wisdom, I'm sure this will go a long way and encourage those people, especially back home, to overcome their fear of investing and hopefully open an account with Sage Wealth. Thank you so much for your time. It was a lot of fun. And yeah, people can reach me on LinkedIn and can write me an email. I'm here. Hey there, not so fast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you've listened in from today. Reviews are a podcaster's most important currency. It helps me create visibility for the incredible women who join me on this show. And if you've made it this far, I'd like to believe that supporting women is one of your favorite pastimes. If you already left a review, first of all, thank you, but why not share this episode with a friend or post it to your Instagram story? Thank you for helping me on my mission to make women rich by making women rich.